Hello, friends, and welcome finally to your much-delayed but only Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast this week. I am Mark Heath. With me, the whole damn gang. First of all, friends, an explainer as to why we're so tardy. I did explain at the end of last week's show. Essentially, Monday, bank holiday, only one of us working. Tuesday, game at Reading. Wednesday, everyone was off, only one of us working. So today is literally the first chance we've had to sit down in this virtual forum and bring you a show. So hopefully you haven't missed us too much. But we're going to start, friends, today with some very, very, very exciting news involving a hirsute young man formerly known as the prospect and friends that it's not that news by the way it's not that news <laughs> ross is not ross is yet to be independently mobile there's, there's no there's no movement on that front but friends he's about to be a proper man because roscoe what is your news uh i really enjoyed legoland it was it was great <laughs> really enjoyed legoland um but no um it's been, I wouldn't say a running joke on the podcast, but when I first started this podcast with you guys, or, you know, podcast was a thing before I came on it, but when I was introduced to the masses of Coway, um, the running joke every Monday was like, oh, has Ross proposed yet to his girlfriend? Um, five years later, I've done it. So um, I'm an engaged man. So that is lovely stuff, Ross. Congratulations, first of all. I like yeah. that concept that... Uh, the pod like like football and you you being the Premier League the podcast didn't really exist until you came on it. Um, but uh, <laughs> Rossi, tell us uh, tell us how you did it and and more importantly, when do I need to buy my hat for? When's the wedding going to be and where's it going to be? There's no date just yet. Um, I think as you know me, disorganised man. No. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. So you have to wait a little bit for that. Not too mm-hmm. too long, but you know, it's a little way. Um, now. I'm not that romantic, to be honest, because I'm just disorganised. So to, yeah. to organise a proper engagement or a proposal probably isn't in my DNA. Um, but we have a happy place, me and my girlfriend, and that happy place is just our bedroom. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, wow. Pretty much. Um, and on her birthday, we're in Liverpool, and I, want, I was going to propose in Italy, but... I don't know. I felt maybe the fuss of my Italian family and that was a bit overwhelming already. Um, I thought, let's just do it on her birthday in a hotel room in bed where, where we just, you know, where we like to chill most of the time. So, um, so yeah, just do it there. And uh, yeah, good thing she said yes, because yeah, we won't be talking about it right now. So, uh, so yeah, that was it really. So your happy place is just any bedroom you're in at any time. Yeah, I thought you yeah. meant your bedroom, just any bedroom. Just any as long as you're in it, it's your happy place. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and did you go down on one knee, Ross? Give us the details. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. yeah. Superb. And had you you planned it? Because you said you, you proposed with a a ring, a family ring. Yeah. Um. My nan and granddad they've been married for like sixty-seven years. Um. Actually, the day after um Sasha's birthday. So um, I was sort of panicking. So I was like, oh, I haven't really got a ring properly. You know, I, I've got no money. Um. I'll have to talk to you if you may get, get paid a bit more so I can get uh no that's fine um so yeah I I've I wanted to get something special and um I went to my nan and granddad's and sort of asked them you know have you got something for me and uh they went yeah I've got a <laughs> ring um and like uh, basically it's one of my 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 nan's rings that my granddad bought her you know years and years ago um mm. so yeah but we're I'm gonna get a different ring you know in the future when I get more money um uh, when I save up a bit more to get a you know a proper proper ring, but she has yeah. got you know this ring. So um, so yeah, 
That's lovely, mate. Congratulations, genuinely. Um, in, in terms of time and location, I'd fancy maybe a summer wedding in Naples. Mm -hmm. be quite nice. I've never been there. And it is correct, is it not, that um, if you're a subscriber to the Anglian, you can attend the wedding? Yeah, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a massive summer wedding in Naples. Stu, yeah. you and I are, are very bitter, long-time married old men. I've been married for 14 years, he says, just trying to work it out. Uh, Stu, you've been married for, for a little while as well. How did you propose to uh, to Mrs. Watson? Did you do it on a, you on a beach? Have I got that in my head? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, on, yeah. Uh, on a beach in Cornwall. She's uh, married to a Cornish lady. And uh, yeah, that, that her, her favourite beach where she sort of grew up, her, her childhood beach. So that's where, that's where I did it. You old romantic, you. I proposed on a hill in the Peak District, which is our happy place, Mossy. And like you, I used my grandma's ring. Um, she's dead, so it's not quite the same. But uh, it, was, it was bequeathed to me in her will. Uh, and it was something that means a lot to me, clearly. So that's what I used. Kneeled down on a big hill in the Peak District, only to look down after I proposed to see that I'd kneeled right in a big part of shit. But there we go. Um, fortunately, that wasn't a metaphor for the wedding so far. And indeed, the marriage. Alex, how are you going to propose? Yeah, good morning, Mark. Um, <laughs> wow, that was heavy. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure. I've, I've, I've had a few ideas floating around here. Ross has come up with the idea of just doing it in, a, in any old bedroom. Yeah. Let's use one of the beach. I like the beach idea, actually. The beach is nice. Friends, uh, mm. I'd say the happy place, like as a family-based thing. It's Broadstairs oh. down in Kent. So. Yep. Yeah, maybe something like that. I like that. You've got idea. to do it at West Ham, haven't you? I'd have thought. Yeah, on, on the pitch at halftime. Have you guys seen the the video where I think it was Chesterfield the other week? Someone proposed during that game. I think it was a TV game, and it just looked really bizarre. But yeah, you, you'd feel like uh, if you had a, a word with West Ham, they could probably do something like that at halftime. That would be interesting. <laughs> this is bringing back memories, Stu, and you'll be able to uh, put me right on this. The sponsor of this show. Ginger Pickle, one of the sponsors, obviously use Cocoa and Manscaped.com as well. But sponsor of this show, Ginger Pickle, Tony Southgate. Did he not do something extraordinary related to a wedding once, which which actually featured on TV? He was on Don't Tell the Bride. That's right. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. An amazing yeah. show. Um, and that involved him getting married. Was it a rugby game? or I can't remember. But um, he it was certainly spectacular enough to feature on TV. I can't remember that. I'll have to ask Tony. I've spoken to them about this a few times. But... Um... I can't remember the proposal part, but uh, yeah. he's no longer in that relationship. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, don't tell the bride. That was good. That is outstanding. TV. Back in the day, wasn't oh, it? Oh, mate, that is still on YouTube TV. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, maybe Ross can bring it back for your wedding. That would be uh, you planning a wedding. Uh, you, would be brilliant. I mean, Ross would be <laughs> ideal for yeah. the producers of Don't Tell the Bride if that was yeah. still going, because essentially it would always end up with the. Uh, the groom spending all of the budget on the stag do yeah. It? And, yeah. Um, yeah the bride ending up in tears at the choice of of dress and that things. was what they yeah. wanted yeah they, they always kind of got a, a dress which was inappropriate they wanted to get married in like a hot tub or you know something like that or on a plane on, on the plane wings that kind of vibe it was brilliant and ross you'd be i mean that would literally break records if you're on that that'd be amazing i personally would invest hundreds of pounds to see you feature on that show anyway friends we're getting away from the reason we're here which is obviously to talk about Ipswich Town there's a lot to talk about it, uh, Roscoe is a newly engaged man and Ipswich Town are a newly third round Carabao Cup side what a segue let's start there shall we friends the draw was last night it could have been Manchester United it could have been Man City it could have been Liverpool it is <clears throat> Wolves Premier League at home now 
I'm all right about this, Dewey. It's at home, first of all. It's a decent test, Premier League side, and it's a winnable tie. Um, it's at home, yes, which is good because, mm-hmm. uh, from a selfish point of view, some some extra travelling midweek isn't isn't great. Um, winnable, yes, but I think we should. I think we should bear in mind. I think this is maybe a, a sign of maybe where we're all getting a little bit carried away and swept along by how well the last six months to a year has gone for Ipswich Town. Yes, a groundswell of positivity and feel-good factor. And yes, on their day, if everything falls right, they could beat Wolves. But this Wolves have finished between 7th and 13th in the Premier League for the last five seasons in a row. I looked at the team they put out against Blackpool, beat them 5-0 last night in the Cup. More than £100 million worth of, of player there in terms of signings, internationals, experienced players and that's their that's their so-called sort of reserve side so even if they do make the changes for the cup this is still a, a tough old task for Ipswich this one I mean they, they ran Man United really close on the opening day they beat the likes of Chelsea Tottenham Liverpool last season so um tough game be a real marker of sort of how far Ipswich have, have progressed but um one to look forward to yeah, and just before we move on, Stewie, uh, the last time they played in round three was 2015, where we all got very excited because they went to Old Trafford. Uh, and then we saw the team sheets that night and uh, the excitement melted away pretty quickly. What are your memories of that that 3-0 tonking at Old Trafford, which featured the likes of Giles Coke and uh, Malachick and yeah. uh, Josh Yorworth compared to Wayne Rooney and Juan Mata? We played that game on the drive back from... Reading in the early hours on Tuesday morning, Ross Ross tested me and whether I could name both teams in in that car journey. I got I got the majority of them, um, but yeah, my first thought when I saw that team sheet was how I felt for people like Luke Chambers and Cole Scoot, yeah. uh loyal servants to the football club who, as it turned out, never got that chance again. As as was likely to go and play at Old Trafford against the likes of Wayne Rooney and and somewhere in. South Wales, Josh Yorworth has got a, a photograph up on his wall of him man-marking man Wayne Rooney and, and Luke Chambers hasn't got that story to tell his grandkids, which seems slightly unfair, really. So 11 changes, it's, it's just the marker of modern-day football and what, what managers at all levels now. It's not the reserve of the top six, seven clubs, uh, unfortunately. The stakes are so high at whatever level of the pyramid you play out in the league that the, the Cups, certainly the League Cup, get kind of um, put well down the priorities. So I'm sure it will be the case still for, for Ipswich and Wolves going into this game. I'm sure Ipswich will make the changes and, and they will as well. Classic Mick McCarthy that was, ever the pragmatist, uh, naming that side. Let's bring you in now then, AJ. Uh, you, just to, to assure people who are watching on video, you're not on a hospital ward. That looks very kind of hospital curtain style behind you you're uh no you're in the next best thing which is Luton mm-hmm. yeah um for some people I don't know which one they'd rather be in sometimes but yeah <laughs> I am in Luton uh I'm at my girlfriend's this afternoon which is why we have the lovely colors here to go with the kind of the West Ham claret and blue which yeah uh, used to be around here a little bit more it isn't as much at the moment but yeah that that is the vibe for today and no royal screen unfortunately that's okay. You're you're a chameleon. You adapt to your surroundings. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we know Town are going to play Wolves in the next round. We now have to step back to Tuesday night, the game at Reading. Um, Two-two draw, win on penalties. Your thoughts, please. There's plenty of talking points around this one. Yeah, it was a very strange game in a way that I think a lot of people went into it thinking 
oh, this is going to be quite an easy one because especially when you saw the teams come out, I think the, the town team was fairly easy to predict. I think most of us got pretty much all the way through that one fairly easily. And then you see Reading, who went what looked like with quite a, a young and weak team in the Millwall game, and then you compare it to the one they put out against town. And I think Stu did the maths on this as an average age of 20, 20 and a half along those lines. These were really the kids of this Reading team. And they put up a real fight. Um, and they went ahead really early doors as the, the kind of the main talking point, I guess, of, of kind of the first half where it's just the whole, God, I don't even know how to describe it, a, a, an absolute comedy of errors at the back that kind of leads with uh, Brandon Williams just getting the last touch as it goes over Kieran Slicker. They fight back and then get pegged back late on despite scoring the two goals to go ahead. And and it's another mistake again that, that just pegs them back with, Edmondson again I thought we, we saw it as a slip I think it was in the end I think he just gets kind of bundled over a little bit too easily uh, and that takes it to Pens where they they got the job done thankfully um, not great fun for the print deadline I think we touched on it <laughs> saying first <clears throat> shootout town have had since 2021 in in the Papa John's something like that so something new again similar in a way maybe to the Leeds game in a sense that there was positives to take for this kind of backup group for for town but also lessons to learn if they're going to kind of be involved in the long run it wouldn't have been as bad for the deadline as if they'd insisted on playing extra time first it's quite nice they just go straight to penalties now in this competition Mm -hmm. rossi brandon williams let's talk about him shall we um he's had a fairly torrid start to life at town he comes on against leeds at the weekend and gets ripped a new one immediately by sinistera putting the old spin cycle uh, and then he starts this game, his full debut, and he scored no goal within two minutes. Yeah, not the greatest start for uh, Brandon. Um, but, you know, he's rusty, isn't he? He's rusty. He hasn't played much competitive football. Um, I've seen a few comments from town fans, settle down, boys and girls, because, uh, you know, some people have had worse debuts. Jonathan Woodgate, <laughs> you know, own goal, sent off. Um, but yeah, he hasn't played much football, you know, competitive football. You know, I think he... I think he made like a Carabao Cup game for um, May United maybe last season. Um, and then, of course, he had that Norwich spell. But, um, you know, sometimes he needs to just learn. I know he knows McKenna very well, but he needs to learn his teammates. He's not had many training sessions. So, um, give him a chance because uh, you don't <laughs> want to write off somebody. <laughs> so yeah, definitely give him a chance. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. literally only just arrived. Um, and yeah, I, saying, thought he, he respond, I thought he had a decent game after that. To yeah. be fair, he made some good forward passes. He got we saw a bit of that sort of tenacity that he's well known for, a couple of good tackles. Um but yeah, unfortunately, the highlights real stuff, especially for those that aren't at the game, is kind of what sticks in people's minds. But I'd just ask you to kind of rewind to a couple of players currently in this town squad and the reaction to their their early debuts. Um Leaf Davis gave away a penalty on the opening day last season against Bolton straight off the plane from um, Australia where he'd been away with pre-season with Leeds and, and looked fairly jet-lagged in that. He's now one of, if not the star man in, in this team. Shawnee Aluka, I remember the response to him looking uh, horribly off the pace in a League Cup game against Newport um, uh, early doors and, and people kind of writing him off very early. And he's now... Um, you know, a bit of a fan's favourite, a bit of a cult hero, uh, obviously not playing as much these days. So, um, yeah, the, these early games don't define players necessarily. 
Mm, that's the grown-up insight we're here for, Stu. Let's continue with, uh, on that note then with Edmondson. What happened there? Because watching the replay back, it's hard to tell whether or not he just fell over or had his, had his heels clipped, as they say, Stewie. Um, I didn't think it was a foul. No, I think uh, he had the situation un- under control. Um, it's hard to see, see without, you know, if, if this was a Premier League game, we'd have all manner of different angles and we'd be mm. able to see definitively if there was contact or not. But he needs to deal with the situation better, doesn't he? He needs to be stronger, not allow that to happen. Um, take no risks. Uh, I think it has to go down as a as a defensive error. Mm. Let's focus on positives, though. AJ, they did win the game. Um, they showed heart to recover both from the early goal and the late goal, uh, and then win the ultimate test of uh, courage and character and luck. Penalties. Kieran Slicker makes a key save, uh, and there were some. There was plenty to like around the game as well, wasn't there? Um, Cameron Humphreys obviously scored, and Murray Hutchinson looked quite lively, and that pass from Lee Evans for Freddie Ladapo's goal, friends. That is football sex. Mm, yeah, I think there were kind of a lot of players who maybe needed time to find their way into the game, which is what you expect when they've not played too much football. I mean, a lot of these players haven't really played competitively since the Bristol Rovers game. So you, there has to be an understanding from that perspective as well. You look at players like Lee Evans, I think we touched on just maybe didn't quite look as sharp. I know that his kind of speciality is in deep and just spraying passes around. He didn't have the license to do that too much. And then as things started to change and town started to kind of turn the screw, then you start to see how things go their way a little bit more. They have more space to work with. You look at Amari Hutchinson, for example, I think people were really frustrated with him in the first half because it was just his decision-making when he got into the final third with the dribbling. And eventually once he kind of found them, his way into the game a little bit more that was when he started doing the right thing he cuts back it's a nice cross into the box it's a fairly easy finish for Humphreys but again positives to take from that um the fact that they limited Reading granted a a young and inexperienced Reading side to not very much and the two goals came from mistakes I think Reading deserve a hell of a lot of credit for going out there with a team that's hardly ever played men's football and, and standing toe to toe with some really experienced uh, players there. But I think still it, it's not, it was never going to be the easiest of jobs for town to go in and do away from home. And they did look comfortable doing it. So overall, I think definitely it's, it's similar to the, the not the red again to the Leeds game in a sense that it was just the individual mistakes that need cutting out and then you pretty much got a, a fairly flawless performance there and that's maybe the pattern of what we've kind of seen and learned from this week I might try and sell that to my wife actually if you take out my mistakes I'm essentially mm. flawless if you take out my perfect. flaws I'm perfect yeah. listen mm. to Alex um right what I want to do now friends is is hear from Kieran Slicker let's do that Kieran through in the uh, Carabao Cup, how was that one from your perspective? Yeah, um, really good to get through. I think that was that's obviously the goal at the start of the start of the game um, to win and get through to the next round. Um, two kind of unfortunate goals. I think we defended well for the majority of the game. Um, frustrating ones to concede. Obviously the first one as well, so early on. But um, I think well resilience is something we speak a lot about at this club, and I think we really showed that tonight. I think the maturity and the kind of mindset after that first goal went in, it's easy to kind of drop our heads and almost set off the game. But we tapped it, we were aggressive and 
obviously it showed, it paid off. Probably didn't have too much to do after that in the game, but nice saving the shoes, probably boost your confidence a bit. Yeah, yeah, um, I think there's only little bits on the ball kind of after the goal and yeah, it wasn't too much. Um, but yeah, the save was obviously nice. I think <laughs> even the two misses, I'll take a little bit of credit for the little dances on the line. <laughs> Yeah, it's getting into the taker's head and stuff, but um, yeah, now buzzing with it. I think more importantly, we're through and hopefully get a big kind of tie next, challenge ourselves against the best. Um, but yeah, buzzing obviously to come away into the next round. That was the plan before the game, and yeah, we're here now, so we're good. When he said big tie, I think he was probably thinking about Wolves at home, I reckon. Um, Rossi, a word on Slicker, because he impressed. Obviously, he himself has kind of come into a situation he wasn't expecting. He entered this season, he signed, expecting to be the third keeper. Injury to Walton has thrust him into backup role, and now he's playing, which I'm sure he wouldn't maybe have expected in, in the Cups. Um, he impressed against Bristol. A lot of people said he was man of the match against Bristol. And here he's, he's had an up and down game. He's made a bit of a mistake early doors um, for the first goal you could argue, uh, and then he's, he's made a save in the penalty shootout. What have you made of him thus far, Slicker? I didn't watch him in the Bristol Rose game because I wasn't there, oh, so this was the first time. Actually, actually we saw him pre-season, um, mm. but then once again, pre-season's pre-season and all that sort of stuff. Um, but like on the ball, you know, he's, he's learned for the best, and he? he's been at Man City. Um, you know, he's he's had Edison and he's had, you know, Richard Wright, you know, he's a Man City <laughs> coach, of course. Um Let's not slate on Richard Wright. He was a good goalkeeper in his day. Of course he was. Yeah, um, not not and, maybe know, when he's forty-five, but no, maybe not. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's a modern-day goalkeeper, and he? he's he he knows that you know what he has to do, what goalkeepers have to do now, and uh, he's he is a bit vocal as well. He's vocal, um, and he's a confident lad because yeah, you're going to be when you've been at Man City. You know, he's of course Scotland's under twenty-one. 21. Yes. Um, so yeah, I like what I see, and. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird role in it being second choice, third choice. Um, I can't see him, yeah, jumping to become number one anytime soon. But I'm sure that is his, his ambition. Mm. So um, yeah, we'll we'll find out. He's not afraid to come off his line, that's for mm. sure. He's, um, I mean, we saw it obviously with with the goal. Um, didn't didn't work out, but he, but before even that, I think he came for a, well straight after the goal, he came for sort of a a punch that he only just about made. And in the second half, he raced out of his box um, to, to sweep up a couple of times. So, yeah, he's obviously sort of well-versed in playing this sweeper-keeper role as, as uh, the modern keepers, as Ross says, are kind of accustomed to. Stu, do you want to put a little bow on this game? Anything else you want to you want to mention just to, by way of wrapping up and we can move on to another one? Yeah, I, I guess the theme of this week, we're not probably going to talk loads about the Leeds game, but... Um, the theme of this week has been played quite well in both games, but unusually for Ipswich have conceded six pretty crap goals really over, over the piece. So that's something they need to, to look at and work on. Um, two different teams, of course, but but poor goals in both. Um, but generally can take some sort of positives from the performance and not just the performance, but the, the resilience is, is the word. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about the running towards adversity mantra and I liked the way that this Ipswich team, they're not used to being in, in tricky situations last year. They were sweeping people aside on their way to promotion. This has been a sort of a tough a test of mental character. A couple of times they've found themselves in sticky situations in games, but they've they've kept calm and they've they've worked their way back into it and they've they've fought right to, to the end in, in both of them. So that's good to see. 
Mm. Shall we start there anyway, Stu, with the, with the Leeds game, that kind of theme? Is that something that to be concerned about? We, we're not used to town really conceding a lot of goals. And as you say, they've conceded six across two sides in, in a week. Um, mistakes at play in a lot of those. Is that something that to be worried about? Um, not not overly concerned. It's something obviously they, they, they'll look to improve upon, but there have kind mm. of been more sort of individual mistakes. If it was something that you felt was a problem with the structure of the team, um, that would be a little bit different. But um unusual. There'll be things that they'll they'll have a look at and try and try and work on. But um no, I, I, it's not something that I'm massively concerned about because a the game against Leeds is Leeds you're playing against top top attacking players at this level. Um, so you have to take the, you know, a bit of credit to Leeds. Not every mm. team's going to kind of punish those mistakes in, in the way Leeds did last weekend. But um, it'll be something that they'll they'll look at this week, I'm sure, and just, just try and iron out a few little things. But yeah, individual errors rather than anything kind of structurally wrong, I would say. Yeah, still early in the season, obviously, players still getting their feet under, underneath them. AJ, Leeds game. Um, a lot of people refer to it after as, as a wake-up call, a reality check. My own feeling is that it was neither of those things. It was just a reminder that there are some bloody good sides in this championship. And clearly, when you look at Leeds and look at the players they've got, especially that front four on Saturday, um, that's the kind of quality that, that Town are up against. And no, I don't think anyone thought that if it's Town were going to go unbeaten this season, they were going to lose a game. Um, how do you reflect now with the, the benefit of a few days on that Leeds game? Definitely wouldn't go with reality check because I think the players knew the reality from the start. Mm. And I think that, especially going into that Sunderland game, knowing where they finished last season and knowing how difficult that game was going to be, I think everyone had a fairly strong understanding of what this league was going to be. And you could see it in, in how it panned out in the way that Sunderland did largely kind of dominate the flow and create really good chances. And Town had to do something they didn't do in League One. So I don't think it was at all a case of it being a wake-up call again. I think it is, as you said, just the fact that the front four, when you look at it, are players that probably could play in Europe. I'd argue you look at where they've been linked with Monto, I think, could, with no disrespect going around here, could probably do a little bit better than Everton on current kind of... Uh, form of how they've been doing, sorry. Uh, you look at players like Sinistera linked with Brentford's Jorginho Rutter cost 35 million. Um, Joel Perot has done absolutely incredible things in the championship. I think I heard a stat saying that he is the top scorer in the last two seasons combined, if you don't count Alexander Mitrovic, albeit that Mitrovic only had one season in the championship. Still scored more than everyone else combined over the two. Um, and it's just, it's just... A reminder more than the wake-up call. Everyone mm. knew what this league was, but it is kind of just maybe a tap on the shoulder for some people. Maybe not as much the players as well. I think the players have a strong understanding, but maybe from kind of those looking on in an external perspective, you look at Townwood third favourites to go up about a week ago before the Leeds game. They were ahead of Leeds to go up to the Premier League. Everyone talks about Town as kind of, oh, wow, they're, they're going to be the big favourites now because they're top. And maybe it is just a little bit of kind of tempering things a bit. It's not trying to totally throw water on on the fire, but it, it's just maybe, yeah, not a wake-up call, but a reminder. Yeah, there was a, there was a comment from McKenna, wasn't there, after the game, Stuart, on the lines of when you look at the, the level of player that Leeds have got <clears throat> and the idea that we will compete with them, um, just that idea alone is is kind of flattering. Hmm. He picked that. He was very careful to 
say that I won't keep going back to this because it's it's a difficult balancing act, isn't it, between tempering expectations and just keeping everybody's feet on the floor. But you want people to be ambitious. You don't want to, because this club is ambitious. It does want to get to the Premier League and it doesn't want to hang about in terms of, of that either. But just a little reminder to people of like, we've come a long way in a short space of time since the takeover. And as I pointed out with Wolves at the right, the start of this, that suddenly, oh, that's, you know, and, and you're right, you're not, everyone will be sort of looking at that going home tie, bottom end of the Premier League, winnable, but it's just a little reminder that, hang on, you know, Ipswich were sweeping aside Forest Green only a few months ago and Leeds have just come down from, from the Premier League and we've talked a lot about the fees involved with their players and internationals and things like that. So maybe, maybe not a bad thing. And the fact that it's, there's slight frustration that Ipswich have scored three goals against Leeds and and just come out on the, the wrong side of what ultimately was quite a fine margins game that, that could have been anything, to be quite honest. It could have been six all. Um, I thought it was quite interesting that McKenna said that he uh, he told us afterwards, I always had a feeling it was going to be a high-scoring game. Um, Martin Pert went even further in his pre-match to the weekend saying that he told us, he told the coaching staff privately that he thought it was going to be a 4-3. So get him on our prediction league, Mystic McKenna. I don't know if he called it a particular way, but um, it was that sort of game. Could have gone another way, just as QPR could have tipped another way, just as Sunderland could have tipped another way. It's that sort of division, isn't it? I'd be up for that, by the way, if, you, if you're listening. Uh, it's just town. Get McKenna on just to give his, his predictions every week. It only take five minutes of your time, Kieran. Um, obviously, exposed you to the KOA Army. They already love you. Um, I reckon you could probably add something to the show, if I'm honest. Uh, Rossi, I want to um, <clears throat> I want to focus on this 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 um, point that Stu's really raised about resilience because it's it's like a, a buzzword that McKenna has talked about. He, they talked about it a lot last season, and it's not something we traditionally associate with Ipswich Town, is it? They're normally uh, crumbling like a rich tea biscuit in a cup of tea whenever the uh, the temperature rises a little bit. Um, but they've sh- they've shown real resilience again. Um, go obviously they were three one down to Leeds. I saw that scoreline and thought, Jesus, could be a cricket score. That's the old Ipswich Town thinking, no. Uh, and they show that resilience. They come back and, and obviously get the goal before half time, uh, and they were in it the second half and end up losing four three in, in a good game where they showed character and heart. And they they show it again on Tuesday night where they they go behind early, they concede late on, they they pick themselves up and they win a penalty shootout. Um, this Ipswich Town, to use a, 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 a term that the kids use these days, is built different, isn't it? Yeah, blood. No, that's not the word, is it? <laughs> or bruv. Yeah, bruv. Uh, I won't do that again. I apologise to the viewers out there. Uh, yeah, because yeah, when we went 3-1 down, I thought, oh, dearie me, because Leeds just tore us apart, didn't they? And uh, I was like thinking, oh, God, this could be 4-5 if we you know, <laughs> don't shape up. But um. I think we scored in good times, you know, scoring, you know, Broadhead scoring uh, just before half time. I'm sure they went into that dressing room thinking, okay, we're only now one behind here. We've, we've got a game on our hands here. Of course, then, you know, Chaplin, you know, they scored another one, 4 3. And, you know, once again, at a time, what is going on with these referees, eh? You know, we had 13 at Sunderland. We only had six against Leeds. And there was a lot of stoppages, those cards going all over the place. Um, so we had a bit more time. We could have gone on to maybe got an equaliser in that game. Then the Reading game, I thought, yeah, typical town, you know, Carabao Cup, winnable tie, and we get knocked out when we got opportunity to play one of the big boys. Um, but no, they got back, they took the lead themselves. They showed a bit, they sprinkled a bit of typical town, though. 
Uh, we're not going to make it easy for ourselves. Let's uh, let's score late. Uh, let them score late on, so we go into penalties. As we all know, there's no extra time, so that was good. We, we had penalties to get through, and we, we won that. So yeah, this team is built different because they don't want to lose. Um, they want to, you know, grind out anything. So um, they've got players like that because you think for Reading they must have gone bloody hell. Chaplin, Broadhead, um, who else came on? I think yeah, Jackson came on as well. So like. Three very good players coming off the bench, and um, of course, at that point, of course, Reading equalised. So actually, it didn't didn't actually help as much. But uh, yeah, th- this team does show they can go out and try to to win on or you know rescue a point or whatever. It reminded mm. me a lot the Leeds game of of the Sheffield Wednesday game from second half of last season, where there was just a bit of a a wobbly ten minute spell. Um, Remember Sheffield Wednesday almost went 3-0 up and it was that sort of mad 10-minute spell which conceded 10 goals, but they steadied themselves and that's where I keep talking about them being sort of a mirror image of their manager being, when we talk about resilience, it kind of conjures up grit and getting stuck in and smashing into tackles. No, what they are is they're just really cool and calm and Mm. they stick to the, you know, just stick to the game plan. Don't suddenly panic and try to start doing things differently. Uh, and that's what they've done in these these games. And um, obviously, Broadhead right on half time. It was Leeds' defence looked really shaky. As much as Ipswich were kind of having some moments at the back, you thought there's more goals in this. And if Ipswich can get one before half time, it's, it's game on. And um, and just just like Broadhead sticking that free kick in the top corner against Sheffield Wednesday, bang on half time, he uh, he, he did so again. Um, and who knows if. If that fourth goal hadn't happened for Leeds, uh, it, it should just made their changes, their substitutions, their fresh legs. That, that might have gone another way. But you could go through so many kind of if-only if moments that could have gone one way or another in, in that game. Hmm. Um, ultimately, ultimately, Leeds were just more clinical and that was the difference. Yeah, Town are a real reflection of their manager, aren't they, in that respect? Cool and calm and never lose their heads. He'd, he'd make quite a good action here, I'm thinking about it, wouldn't he, McKenna? He wouldn't have lost his cool on that bus in speed. He'd have just he'd have just driven it until it reached a resolution. He just says, calm down, lads. I've got this. Uh, Rossi, before we move on to sexy stuff, and there's obviously quite a lot of sexy stuff to talk about, <clears throat> I need two things from you. I need you to remind me, first of all, who scored the equaliser for Reading? Uh, Dave. Dave did. <laughs> David <laughs> or Kelvin, his first name's what, Kelvin, so yeah, what a name that is. Uh, I, I feel sorry for commentators. I've done a bit of commentating, obviously, uh, and when I see names like that, I think, thank god I haven't got to pronounce that in a, an excitable, um, live setting. Um, so I'm sure there's quite a lot of rehearsal going into that one. And also, Rossi, the prediction league, we're all shit out of luck, weren't we, over the weekend? Is it, is it as it was? Yeah, because of course that was an own goal. No one predicted an own mm-hmm. goal as the first goal scorer. So um, yeah, is as it was. So Alex is still leading the way. Um, let me just get it up quickly so we can know. And of course, we'll do our predictions in a bit for the uh, Cardiff game. So yeah, it's uh, ten points for AJ. I'm on five points. Yeah. You're on four points, Ethan. And Stu, just two points, but early doors, mate. Still early doors. Don't. He's given us a head start. Let's be honest, Watson. He's just going to yeah, come surging nice. through. Yeah. Um, right then, before we move on to sexy stuff, Stu, we've, we've talked about resilience uh, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit here because this reviles quite a, a lot of things to happen before they face this potentially test of resilience. But Sam morsey has been called up for Egypt um, in the international break, which is big for him. He's not played for Egypt, I think, for what five years. And it could potentially mean, depending on how he fares, that he'd be playing in the Cup of Nations, African Cup of Nations, which would mean him being away from town for a month in January, February sort of time. 
How are we feeling about this? I mean, obviously, you know Sam pretty well. I'd imagine this will mean quite a lot to him. Um, I know, I know. It will mean a lot to him having interviewed mm. him before about sort of international ambitions, and he'd never given up on it. And of course, he kept getting put in the the, the bigger squads, and yeah. then not making the final cut, which I think was frustration. It just shows you that the difference between being a Championship player and a League One player makes to being on international radars. Um, so yeah, d- delighted for him on a personal front. I think it's it's great for the club to have international recognition um always means you go into these breaks slightly concerned about mm. people coming back with injuries and um yeah there's a lot that needs to happen for sam sort of to stay in and keep his his place between now and uh sort of january february time but um yeah if he you know playing in a african cup of nations if he can get in their squad and then in the team uh on that sort of stage um you know is, is massive egypt's got to the final last time didn't they with mm. the Senegal final the uh, Salah versus Mane final um, yeah and then that sort of coincides you start to look at the fixtures that coincides with quite a lot of games around and that period I think Ipswich played Leicester certainly around that time uh, how, do they, how do they cope then that's when we, it probably feeds into a bit of a chat about sort of future proofing this squad and when they're talking about adding two or three more He's nodding. He's got a segue up his sleeve here. No, you've, you've done it, um, you've segued. Yeah, I, I mean, I think people have pointed out the the Asian Cup of uh, Nations, I think, is, is around that time. I need to check the dates on that. And there's potentially like Luongo getting back into the Australia squad. Cameron Burgess could get a call up to Australia as well. So um, you have to be thinking several steps ahead as, as a manager and as, a, as the hierarchy at Ipswich and being prepared for scenarios like that. Go on then. You've, you've already done it. Kick us off, mate, because obviously, elephant in the room, it's transfer deadline day tomorrow. Ipswich Town have signed five players thus far in the window, um, but yet to sign the centre-back we were kind of expecting. And obviously, there's there's, there's talk of two or three more. I think it, it, that would now be one or two, because that was before Brandon Williams coming to the building. So, Stu, how, how are you feeling about things heading Well, yeah, I thought, I thought it would drop down to sort of one or two, because it's been two mm. or three stated throughout. Williams comes in, and then... Yeah. Um, McKenna says no, still, still two or three. Oh, we're still on so, two or three. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, going to be a fascinating sort of final forty-eight hours of of the transfer window across the entirety of the championship. I think it's been a very slow market in general this year, and I think there'll be quite a, a flurry of late business. Um, I got uh, various championship reporters up and down the land to send a few paragraphs over this week about sort of the state of play at their clubs and it seems like bar one or two sort of stating that business is done most are still looking to do something so um yeah I still think there's again going back to the the reality so-called reality check of last weekend I thought there were some really over-the-top reactions to that just shows that we need more and we need this better and and whatnot I think that's well overblown I think this is a this is a squad that has proven already that it will be competitive in this division, but how competitive remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. For me, personally, for all the talk about strikers mm. and attacking players, centre-half is the top priority for me still there. Having seen sort of Edmondson um, look a little bit rusty on, on Tuesday, there's slight injury question marks o- over him. Baggett's done pretty well in the cup, but uh, inexperienced centre half is is the area for me. Hmm. 
AJ, you ready? You geared up. You're obviously in hospital at the moment, getting ready for uh, yeah. a big day tomorrow. Um, you've got deadline day. You've got press mm-hmm. conferences. Um, who would take a day like that off? <laughs> Me. Uh, <laughs> you boys mm-hmm. going to be busy tomorrow. Um, how are you feeling about this? Because I know you've been particularly impressed with Elkan Baggett. You, you, that's, mm-hmm. that's been quite a theme through pre-season. You were singing his praise. Obviously, played very well out in Austria when you saw him. Um, and this narrative around town need to sign a centre-back, and we've talked about maybe they're keeping Baggett until they do that. Is there an argument that Baggett could be that centre-back, or is he just too young and, and raw at the moment? I think there is an argument that he could be. I thought he looked really good against Reading. There was a brilliant moment where he just waltzed into the box for a header out from open play. I'm pretty sure he just ran and ran forwards and, and headed just wide. It was really bizarre. But he, he's a little bit of everything, and I, I really, really like him. I think he's a really good player. Hmm. Um Personally, I think it probably is a little bit of a risk in terms of having him as the centre-back. And I think when you look at kind of what town have in the area, that's where you want to add maybe a bit more experience. We talked a bit about the Richard Keogh kind of mould, mm. maybe someone that isn't going to come in and play every game because I quite like the Wolf and Burgess two as, as the pairing but someone that is capable of coming in and, and having the experience and the leadership and and the knowledge of the league that maybe the rest of the backline don't have as much i i think that is probably a priority with bagger it, it is an interesting one because i think that he would benefit from a loan then when you look at it are you in a position to maybe think well edmondson might be the one that you might want to go out and, and play regularly so he can get back to what we know that he can can be because obviously he has been a, a top centre-back before and I feel like the injury has just thrown him off a little bit and he doesn't look like he has the confidence. Would a run benefit him more than Baggett when Baggett probably could push to be in that kind of championship squad where he's, where he's featuring on the bench behind Burgess and, and Wolfenden, potentially another centre-back. So it, it's a bit of a dilemma in that sense, but I wouldn't have any kind of real levels of discomfort putting him in that position. I think that he'd be more than capable of playing in the championship. It's just about whether his career is going to progress better if he can go out and play 40 plus seasons, 40 plus seasons. That'd be great. 40 plus games in league one. Yeah. It's a bit like the Humphreys situation this time last year where they Mm -hmm. were, will he, won't he go out? Do, should we keep him around? Will he benefit more from sort of McKenna's coaching on a day-to-day basis than playing regularly? Might we need him at some stage? In the end, they did. He played quite a lot of games, didn't he, around that mm. sort of Christmas time. And and who knows, Baggett is close enough to that that team. I mean, Burgess only just passed a late fitness test at the yeah. weekend. There's an argument that Baggett at the moment would maybe be a better like-for-like replacement for Burgess than Edmondson. Edmondson has never looked as comfortable as the left-sided centre-half than he than he has on the right. I think Baggett's kind of left, left-footer left uh, attributes kind of helps. He's, he's, he's a big lad, strong in the air as well, so kind of replaces Burgess's qualities in, in that respect. Um, that's an interesting point Alex makes about maybe Edmondson could be the one to benefit from some games just for six months. No one's writing mm. off his, his Ipswich career sometimes. Just injuries do derail you a little bit, but... Um, yeah, um, centre halfs where definitely where it looks a, li- a little thin for me in terms of what could happen further down the track. Yeah, I think we'd all agree that centre half is kind of the main priority. Some sort of experienced hairy ass, but not quite key- Keo levels of of experience. Not too hairy. What's, not too hairy. Well no. manscaped. Well man, exactly. They can't sign unless they're manscaped. 
We'll see. Um, so centre back is the top priority. Where else would you like to see them make signings? Because um, clearly there's, there's been conversations. I, I guess we can rule out midfield because midfield is absolutely chocker, or who knows? Um, but uh, we've talked about right wing. Obviously, the striker keeps coming up. What, what do you reckon? A versatile type player. You know, you could play all. You know, across that that three. You mm. know, a ten on the wing, up front if needed. Like that Tyrese John Jewell sort of mould player. Uh, of course, he's got a derby, so he won't be coming here. Um, so, yeah, I think that is the priority I think a lot of town fans want to see. Um, some people, of course, they love Big Fred, but some people have gone, hmm, is he going to be up to, to scratch for the championship? Um, I think it's always good to have competition, injuries, you know, touch wood. We don't have too many of those, but already with Hurst, already um, having that little niggle. Um, you know, he missed uh, the Leeds game and uh, Jackson, of course, started. Um, so that is a position I think we need to strengthen. And I think maybe just another versatile player who can maybe play just multiple positions. That's what versatile means, Ross. Stupid. Just repeating myself there. Um, so, yeah, three players in, centre-half, as we already spoke about, and then maybe two just versatile players who can just play everywhere. Maybe a, a versatile, like... Defender who could play maybe the fullback ways, centre halves, and maybe he could go a bit more just in case. So yeah, it fascinates me the the change, how quickly a change in mood or opinion around a certain player goes. Like Freddie Ladapo, everyone was absolutely loving him hmm. towards the end of last season, coming on, adding goals, finished with a really healthy goal tally. I thought he'd kind of come through that. His the narrative around him has gone like this. You know, he came in, struggled to get his goal early on and gone couldn't get it written off. Then he sort of got into the side and was playing really well when everyone felt sorry for him when Hurst came along and said he was unfortunate to be dropped. Um, showed good attitude to kind of contribute to that, getting Ipswich over the line, scoring goals at important times. Um, and then very quickly, without having really been on the pitch that often, people seem to quite quickly be sort of writing him off as not being cap- com- um, capable at championship level when... He scored, I think he got nine goals in a Rotherham side that got relegated a few years ago, which is a good return in a struggling side. He's just a different type of, of player to George Hurst in terms of more of, a, more of a link player. I think the reason he hasn't got on the pitch so much has not been Kieran McKenna not trusting him. I think it's just been more a case of uh, him just feeling that Caden Jackson's attributes have been better suited to the, the opponents that they've come up, up against at different times. So... Um, Likewise with Caden Jackson, he's done, I think he's done more than enough in the last sort of mm. 12 months under Kieran McKenna to have changed people's opinions around him. But those early days of him looking technically deficient at this sort of level, um, which was undoubtedly the case, seems to have kind of stuck with him and he's finding it really hard to kind of shake any sort of doubts surrounding him. So um, I'm not saying Ipswich shouldn't sign a striker if if a really good one comes along. Um, but I don't think that we're going into this going, it'd be an absolute failure if Ipswich don't smash their transfer record and sign a star striker be- between now and 11pm on Friday. Yeah, that's what we want, though, isn't it? That's, that's, that's human nature. Spend money, baby, bring in a striker. That's literally like the, the clarion call of any fan, isn't it? Money, 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 striker, striker, striker. Stewie, what about exits? We talked about Baggett, clearly one that they may loan out. Edmondson, as AJ is thrown into the mix, an interesting point potentially as well. Carl Edwards. 
Yes, we're all gone a bit quiet on the Kyle Edwards situation since um, mm. Kieran McKenna came out after the Bristol Rovers game and said that they'd had a chat and that he'd be available and he wants to to go and pursue regular first-team football, much like Greg Lee, which is understandable. Um, you wouldn't have thought he'd be short of, of takers, good high-end League One clubs, you, you would imagine. Um, so we'll see what, what happens there. Um yeah, and we've discussed the sort of the Baggett, the Humphreys situation. Humphreys is a little bit different to Baggett in that there's a lot more competition pl- for places in, in central midfield. And, and as and when Ipswich go out of the cup, then those opportunities dry up even more. So I'd like to see Cameron go out and, and get proper regular games. Um, will there be a kind of a surprise exit that um, frees up a spaces in the squad which I don't think is too much of an issue now um, but more kind of the financial fair play stuff that people forget about it's 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 actually got plenty of uh, dollars behind them now but um, restrictions on on how much you can spend and you need to be sort of planning several windows ahead I think mm. FFP is kind of judged over three years periods so I keep I've kept chucking Lee Evans' name in here throughout all of this just because they're so well stocked in central midfield. I thought Jack Taylor has come on against Leeds, looked quite lively. I thought he had a good game against Reading. There'll be a stage where he's pushing um for the team. Lee Evans is probably on a on a solid championship wage. Um, do you decide to that that's better reinvested in, an, in another area of the squad, maybe putting it towards sort of something towards the top end of the pitch? I don't know. That's not based on any inside knowledge um, whatsoever. I like Lee Evans. I think he's got some specific attributes and Kieran McKenna keeps talking about... He, it's fascinating. He always points out that there's no better one-on-one defender in the league than Janoi Danassi and there's no better dribbler in our squad than... Kyle Edwards you go through them he's very good at bigging up players super strengths their key qualities Mm. um Caden Jackson's talked about he makes me feel good about what I'm good at you know he's there's no one quicker than Caden Jackson for example so Lee Evans would probably fall into that category in terms of long-range passing but is that enough to kind of keep him around I don't know just thought I'd chuck that out there as a possibility I like it. It's going to be an interesting day, isn't it? Interesting few hours, obviously. Um, we're, what are we, 10, half 10 on Thursday? So still plenty of time even before deadline day kicks off. AJ, this will be your first deadline day with us. I've generally found that um, football journalists fall into one of two camps. One, love deadline day, love transfer rumours, love all that gossip. Two, which I'd probably put myself into, um, and probably Stu, I reckon, as well. Um, they're not really a big fan of deadline day. Uh, and all the gossip and rumours that goes on. Have I have I misspoken this to you? Have I uh, got that wrong? Um, it's yeah. Just I think as time has gone on in the sort of social yeah. media world that we yeah. live in, uh, yeah, a lot of the nonsense that goes around yeah. it, and and without sounding sort of too cynical and beaten down by by the job, the sort of the glorification of spending loads of money and the the whole yellow tie. Hundred million pounds. This uh, it's all a bit unedifying, isn't it? All that side of it, but um, they're still quite fun to work running the blog. And I mean, for years, Ipswich, we went into pretty much every deadline day not expecting anything, so they've been a bit of a non-event from an Ipswich point of view for so long. But um, in more recent years, we've we've had some some things going on, and and it's looking, you would imagine, like something will happen in the next two days. 
Mm. Essentially, we're just grumpy old men. AJ, where do you fit into the uh, into that into that bracket? Are you are you young and excited by deadline day? You love all that bloody rumours and gossip and. Uh, from a reporting perspective, no, not really my cup of tea because it's just it's it's heavy, isn't it? I, I mean, when I was doing Millwall, it was kind of me as the only man on the island, and that's when it gets hard when you're the one who has to kind of manage everything that comes in and goes out. And that one that we had last summer at Millwall did end up going totally to the wire there and over the line just by a matter of seconds and, and uh, an extension form. So that was quite stressful, especially when I think the worst thing is when you're waiting for something that just anything to happen. And the indication is nothing's going to happen. It's just going to be quiet, all fine. And then you get one phone call right at the end and they're like, oh, actually, just keep an eye out on this one thing that could happen. Just as you're starting to wind down, think, okay, we're going to be fine now. No, you're not. Um, I've always enjoyed it from an external perspective, looking at kind of the, especially when you're sat on the sofa just watching Sky and all the big deals come flying and they go around the training grounds. That's great fun. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think it really translates into the championship as well. Um, but yeah, from 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 a journalist perspective, it's a bit of a nightmare, I'd say. Hmm. I'll give you the final say, Stewie. If we're sitting here, and I won't be because I'll be uh, on a plane somewhere in the in the sun. But if we're sitting here post eleven o'clock tomorrow night, Friday, um, what would you consider to be successful deadline day in terms of centre back? Would you say that's the kind of must get? Is there anything else you'd say they they they, need, they desperately need? Yeah, successful would be adding a couple of players, one of which mm. is a centre-half, one of which is a, is a versatile attacker. But um, I trust in Kieran McKenna to do what's right for, for the squad. And even if they did nothing, I don't think it would be disastrous. I don't think you could sit here and say, oh, that's it, that's no ambition, the season's done. You know, I'd rather... They kept their powder dry and, as I said before, really assessed where this squad is at in terms of the championship. They've proven themselves to be really competitive in the first few games. They've just pushed Leeds all the way. Um, I think it can send some wrong messages if you go just grabbing at people for the sake of it, doing a bit of a supermarket sweep-style deadline day. I think people even really experienced people within the game are not adverse to getting dragged into that hype. It's hard not to be because there's so much noise around it now with fans always wanting more new shiny things. And already there is this, it's hard to ignore that wall of noise that already mm. I would say general consensus amongst the Ipswich fan base is, and, and it's probably been fed by the club continually talking about two or three more. So now there is the expectation that we need two or three more. But if you dig a deeper into the comments, it's, two or three more of the right players at the right place if they become available. And if they don't, they don't. And there's January further down the line. This is year one in the championship. This is, you know, there'll be next summer to come as well once you've really worked out quite where you're at in terms of the championship. So I'm I'm pretty I'd be pretty relaxed about it from an Ipswich point of view. It's uh, they're in a they're in a nice position to do to do the right things if if they come up and um, they don't need to get dragged into anything too silly, I wouldn't say. What's Leon Best doing these days? He's a veteran. Um, he'd be cheap as well. 
Uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Friends, you can follow that all with the boys tomorrow, deadline day. They'll be running a live deadline day blog. They'll also, at the same time, be doing a live press conference blog, uh, as well as producing everything else they'll have to do tomorrow without yours truly looking forward to following yeah, it from that, afar friends that might get killed when we speak to kieran around yeah. two, <laughs> two o'clock tomorrow uh it's always the nightmare when you're running a live blog and the manager says nope that's it that's it we're Nothing done else um, yeah what i would add is it needs to be a better transfer deadline day than last year mm. club has club have done a lot of good things but we ended up with panucci kamara and gasana had me on on transfer deadline day last year so they might learn a little bit from that that you don't have to go grabbing at things for for the sake of it. So, yeah, interesting couple of days ahead. I get quite excited about Kamara and had me last year. I mean, generally, obviously, I get excited by the opening of a of a, of a letter of a window, um, and that maybe has not aged that well. So we'll see. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Follow it all with us, friends. Um, the other thing I want to mention uh, before we go today is I realise we haven't really given a push this excellent new clobber from Manscaped, which I thought I'd just show on video um, because you can get obviously twenty percent off. Uh, and free delivery with the code KOA. This is the new Beard Hedger, um, which basically uh, I really like. Um, I'm the sort of guy who doesn't ever go clean-shaven because it makes me look like a 10-year-old. You can't have it, Vincent. You go downstairs. Right. Um, what I like most about this, though, friends, is this this like adjustable wheel. And also the design means that these difficult bits under here, which are always hard to get to, and keep a, a good length so that looks, start to look a little bit like a kind of wispy tramp if you don't trim them um that really that really aids that ergonomic design uh, i know ross you haven't used this because uh, obviously you don't let anyone touch your beard unless they're fully qualified Stu, you were briefly sporting a beard and aj you've got that that quite sexy musketeer look if you don't mind me saying um have you used this boys have you been impressed lie if you haven't i have i've used yeah. it on the sides that was not a lie. I have actually used it. Yeah. Mainly to go down the sides. Yeah. That that's where when it grows out and you have like the weird sideburn look, that's when when you need to bring it in. If we get you one of those flamboyant hats, AJ, I'm just thinking you might actually look a little bit like Guy Fawkes now. Yeah. yeah, this is this was this was this was yeah. the risk that we had as the <laughs> People might think that I'm going to end the pod and just go out. You know, when I vanished a minute ago and the Wi-Fi went down. Yeah. I feel like people might have just thought I'd gone off to. Uh, to, Plot the downfall of Parliament. Yeah, to blow it up. <laughs> wow. I've been getting the uh, the gunpowder into the back of my car. Yeah. Yeah. For for those uh, authorities listening, that's a joke. All right. We're only I'm joking. not actually it's going fun. to do that. He's not going to do it. He might look a bit like Guy Fawkes. Guy Fawkes is a patsy, of course. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into the history of it. Stewie, the beard. Have you yeah. used it? The beard. I have. Like yeah, I do like it. Yeah, because uh, it really helps with that. Do you find that? The tricky bit is getting if you ever try and get the little line. Yeah. yeah. You get trying to sort sort out the little wispy neck bits. Ross, yeah, that's why Ross, you can see a trained professional sorted that. If you get it wrong, yeah. You can look a bit chinny, can't you? So you really um, can. yeah. You have to kind of get the angles, the angles right there. So it's, it's it's good. Good for that. Yeah, especially if like me, you're 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 not really blessed with a uh, what I'd say is a strong, a strong jawline. Uh it, whenever I put weight on, it goes right around my chin mm-hmm. and the uh the sins me of the too. chin. The sins of the chin, especially when Ross takes pictures, as he tends to do from immediately below us, Ross. Sort that out, please. That's not good for the ego at all. Um, yeah, so definitely I would I would highly recommend the beard hedger from 
from Manscaped. Use the code KOA, manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. And also, friends, obviously, support Ginger Pickle. We've already mentioned Ginger Pickle, Tony Southgate. He's been on TV, getting married on TV. He's also excellent when it comes to SEO, digital ads, Google marketing, all that kind of stuff. Get involved with them them boys there. Anything else to mention, friends? We've almost hit exactly an hour, which for the, uh, the, the pedant in me would be very excited if we can stop it exactly on the hour. Is there any other business? There's a game this weekend against Cardiff? Of course. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right, then. I didn't know whether we were going to do that now or what the plan was. I didn't know whether to like raise it. No, or... you know, earlier when I said this is what we're going to talk about, is there anything else we need to say? Uh, not one of you mentioned the game. All I'm, but in my head, I'm thinking all I need to do is get through today. Now I'm on holiday, so I'm not. I'm not thinking about the game this weekend. There's a game this weekend, friends, isn't there? Well, you brought it up. Let's talk about it. Cardiff City at home. A good chance to bounce back after last weekend's setback against Leeds. Well, technically, they bounced back with the Carabao Cup, you know, progression. But um, in terms of league games, yeah, they need to bounce back. Um, and Cardiff, on paper, they look like they've not started so well. But actually, they've been unlucky in some of their games. They got very lucky on the weekend, just gone, scoring a late penalty against Jeff Wednesday. But they conceded a late equaliser against Leeds on the opening day. And then Leicester City scored a late winner. And then they lost against QPR, which probably not a great result on paper either. But um they're not doing too badly. Of course, Aaron Ramsey's back there. The prodigal son returns. And, of course, Mark McGuinness, former town loanee. So, um, it's not going to be too easy, but um, it's winnable for town. Hmm. Yeah, I've watched them a couple of times, actually, Cardiff this season. They, they uh, You mentioned the Leeds game. They look good in that. Obviously, they um, ended up they went 2-0 up, didn't they, in that game and ended up drawing it. And also, I watched them play Leicester. And, they, again, they look pretty decent there. So, I don't think there any means going to be a, any... There are no easy games, as we know, in the Championship series. Um, anyone uh, can be anyone, Mark. They, they um, really can, Stu. That's, and that's, that's definitely a, a truism. How are you feeling about this game? Talk about Kiefer Moore, maybe making a oh. return to Cardiff. Um, will he be available from Bournemouth? That could add a little, little subplot as well. Uh, interested to see how they play. Their manager is a bit of a, a left-field wildcard appointment, Errol Bulu. I think I'm pronouncing that right, is... Um, yeah, a German-born Turk who's been who's managed Fenerbahce in the past. Um, so I don't don't know loads about how they look. Four two three one um, set pieces. I think has has been a, a calling card of of certainly of the manager in the past. You'd imagine Ramsey on set pieces. If Kiefer Moore does come in, he'd be a threat on them. Um, Mark McGuinness can certainly get his head on. On the end of those, um, yeah, well, I'm interested to see what Aaron Ramsey's looking like at this this stage of his career. Scored a very good goal. Uh, I can't remember which game that was. Was that the QPR game that he scored a scored from outside the box? So, um, yeah, on on paper, this is a at home against Cardiff. This is a game which should be targeting three points from. Hmm. AJ, this will be the uh, the final game, obviously, before the international break. It'll be the fifth championship game for Town back in back in the second tier. How are you feeling about it? And how have you what have you how have you assessed the start? To, it's hard to um not be impressed surely with the start that town have made. Yeah, I think that you couldn't really have asked for too much more overall when you look at August when you, you think that I I was fairly concerned maybe going into that Sunderland game, not because of town at all, but just because of what Sunderland were. And they went and not only kind of stood toe to toe, granted found it a little bit tough, but then went and won the game and then managed to kind of just continue that and learning different things along the way, having different kind of tests, which they kind of all passed apart from the Leeds game technically, but there were still so many positives to take from that. And I think also at this kind of stage of the season, it's a lot 
about maybe how you play rather than the results as well. It's, it's proving that, especially when you're coming up from League One, it, it's about being able to show that you are able to compete at this level, which Town clearly are and, and can compete near near the top end. When you look at Cardiff, I think that there is, again, from, from what I've kind of seen of an external expectation, a an idea that, this is a one where town are just going to bounce back and, and win fairly comfortably. And, and the games I covered with Cardiff uh, against Millwall last season, they were pretty poor. I think this is a very different Cardiff. I think that I like the signings they make. I like the the manager. I think that they seem to be a team that don't want to do too much on the pitch. They're not too flashy in, in terms of the way they defend, but they also have a lot of kind of speed and skill on the counter more than anything. You look at what they brought in, Carlin Grant, Josh Bowler, for example, both top-end championship players. They've strengthened really well. Mate, Ramsey, others who just come in with bags of experience. So definitely not an easy one. I think they won at Birmingham in midweek in the uh, Carabao Cup, which, given how Birmingham started and looking at the players, they went with Jay Stansfield, Bakuna, Sunjic, all strong players, and they won St Andrews 3-1. So it's definitely not going to be the case of them coming to Portman Road and just being a total walkover. It's not a guaranteed win by any stretch of the imagination. I think that they are looking like a, a solid championship side, maybe a little bit more than we expected at the start of the campaign. Mm. Rossi, thanks for reminding me there is a game this weekend. Would you now like us to do official predictions for the Prediction League? Now, once again, I don't know if we've got that mindset just yet because we've got deadline day to sort I out. I definitely have the mindset um, in either, to I mean, be honest. Surely it depends on who they sign as well, if they bring it, you know. I mean, yeah, I've got yeah. to write and meet the opposition today before I go on holiday, which is a bit of a nightmare thinking about it, being as that's not going to appear in print until Saturday and they may have signed a few new players by then and exited. Um, so shall we leave the predictions for now? Yeah. Let's yeah. leave the predictions. Okay, friends. Anything, anything else then? Any other business apart from the fact that Town are playing at the weekend? Trifling. No other business. No, no other, other business. business. And there, but there is, of course, a Tractor Girls talk out there, Ross, to, uh, yes. if you want to go and listen to it. A good win for the uh, the girls at the weekend. Um, right then, friends. Uh, I don't know, frankly, when we're next going to be back with you because, as I may have mentioned once or twice, I'm on holiday next week, so the boys are going to be busy. Um, and I don't know, in terms of time off, when's going to work best for the boys to record. What I will guarantee, though, boys, is I'll be listening to you from my rooftop terrace in Portugal, Probably a little super bock on the go. Nice little cigar. Looking forward to it. Um, so I can't wait to to hear that. Friends, all the stuff then to remind you, I have already mentioned the sponsors. Please support us across social media as well. Kings of Anger on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to wherever you get your podcast providers because um, that helps, again, A, it gets you straight into the, the latest podcast, drop into your feed, and also it lifts us visibility-wise in the charts, as does your five-star reviews on iTunes. That really helps us as well. Um, so there we go then. There's a lot to talk about. We've talked about it all. There's a lot to happen, potentially, before they play Cardiff City. They are playing Cardiff, by the way, on Saturday. Follow Deadline Day with us tomorrow. Follow the game with the boys. I don't care because I'll be on holiday. And finally, the last thing I want to leave you with is Alex is definitely not plotting the downfall of Parliament. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time.